Good morning, High Point Church. My name is Andy. I'm the lead pastor here. Great to be with you online today. It's always a pleasure to be with you. Um, today, I'm gonna, we're going to jump right into it. Um, I'm going to speak to you about ways that you just might be ignoring God's voice in your life and what you can do to more closely follow God here in 2020, 2022. Didn't get that out quite right, did I? <laughs> That's all right. How might you be ignoring God's voice in your life and how you can follow him a bit more closely this year? There's a woman in Belgium. Um, her name is Sabine Moreau. And she's 67. And she wanted to pick her friend up at the train station. And the train station is about 90 miles away. And so it, it, in terms of distance, that's about the distance between Atlanta and Chattanooga, right? About 90 miles. So, you know, you're talking about an hour and a half-ish trip, not too bad. And so she gets in her car, she's got her GPS going, and away she goes. Um, But her trip to Belgium, uh, 90 miles, might I add, to the train station, she found herself no longer in Belgium at the end of this trip. She found herself in Croatia. What was supposed to be 90 miles for her turned into 900 miles. Okay? Now... 90 miles turning into 900, that would be the equivalent of me drive, trying to drive to Chattanooga but ending up in New York City, okay? That's the, that's the mile differences here. This woman blew through five international border patrols. Um, she saw language change on road signs, literally country after country. And what was supposed to be about an hour and a half was over two days. How does that happen? How, does, how do you blow through all of the signs, all the pieces of communication, or even all the internal signals going off you know, that, that are telling you that you are not quite in the right place, or maybe you're going the wrong direction, right? We laugh about this. I laugh about it, and... <laughs> Okay, full transparency. If my if my mother is watching right now, <laughs> she's gonna be mad that I say this. There's a possibility that she might be able to do something like this. There's a chance. There's a possibility, right? We joke about it. We laugh about it. The re- the truth is, all of us have a tendency to just want to keep on driving, and I don't mean literally speaking. I mean we we blow through warning signs. We blow through the communication and we just put our, our, our foot on the gas. In fact, the quote that, that, that this woman gave that I love, she says, I was absent-minded, so I kept putting my foot down on the gas, right? She just kept on driving. All the signs were there. Here's my question for you. What signs are you ignoring today? What signs are you ignoring in your life today? Maybe, you, maybe it's the medical you know, uh, it, it's the visit with the doctor, it's the medical procedure, it's the, it's the prognosis. You just don't want to deal with it, so you ignore going, you ignore the conversation, you don't even bring it up. You just want to keep on driving. Maybe for you, it's work, and you are, you're putting in so much time at the office because the last thing you really want to do is come home and deal with what needs to be dealt with right that's hard you don't want to deal with that 
maybe it's with kids. Maybe, maybe your, maybe it's the bank account, right? You, you have, you know, your browser and your Bank of America or your Chase or whatever it is, and you can't even bring yourself to log into your account because you're so r- just riddled with anxiety over what you know isn't going to be in there. So don't have, you don't have a whole lot of funds. And it's stressful to look at bills that need to be paid and money that's just not quite there. So what do you do? You just keep on driving. You just, you just keep cruising. You move through all the signs. Some of you have Bibles, right? And those Bibles have just, it looks really nice on your bookshelf or your coffee table. It's a great holder for your coffee in the morning. But you don't want to actually open that thing because deep down inside you're pretty confident you know God's going to convict you of something. And you don't want to deal with that. You'd rather just keep on driving. What signs are you ignoring? See, what what happens for me is that, or probably for you as well, This, well, you know what? Let me back it up. This woman's GPS was giving her directions. She had her GPS pulled up. And let's be honest, the GPS is an expert in all things, okay? The GPS is the resident expert. Just ask Michael Scott from the office. We know this to be true, okay? So she's got directions. Somehow it got messed up, though. But the reality is we all have experts that we love to consult to reinforce why we're going the direction that we're going. It used to be that we, you, would, you would look at expert opinion and we would, uh, we would observe and we would take a minute and catch our breath and we'd, we'd take a look at, at opinions that were different than ours and we would allow them to be reshaped and changed and alter the course of, of our life and the direction in which we were heading. But now there's an expert for literally everything. Everyone is their own expert. But then, just with a simple Google search or social media scan, you can find tons of experts. And all that's really happening is a reinforcing of what you already believe. We call that confirmation bias. So that you just keep going the same way that you're going. Here's what I want to invite you to do today. There are some vitally important conversations that must be had, specifically as it pertains to faith and following Jesus. We're in a series called Love, Follow, Share, and everybody loves talking about love. But when we shift and begin talking about what it means to actually follow Jesus... That's where things start to get a little bit dicey because Jesus has some things that we would prefer to ignore. We would rather just be absent-minded, put our foot on the gas, and just keep driving. But what we get to do today and what we're going to do today is we're going to stop the car for a second. We're going to look at the map. We're going to examine the GPS, so to speak, and we're going to make sure we're heading the right way. Because following Jesus should produce the life 
that Jesus promises. But if we're not following him in the way that he actually says, this is how you follow me, well, not only are you not pursuing Jesus and following him, but we can't expect to then be experiencing the life that he promises in this world, in this life, or the next. And last time I checked, that is of supreme importance. So turn with me to Mark chapter 1. Verse 16, this is what we see. We see some pictures of people following Jesus, and we've got stories and encounters with people following Jesus. And so we're just going to begin to pull some things out of here, and let's not blow through the signs. Let's not keep our foot on the gas. Let's take a minute, and let's examine what God is saying to us. Verse 16, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, who's also known as Peter in the Bible, and his brother Andrew, casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. For clarity's sake, Jesus is walking along the Sea of Galilee. And one of the main professions at this time, uh, at least, uh, you know, if you live close to the Sea of Galilee, is fishing, right? It wasn't a trade of, of, of luxury, to be very clear, but, you know, you, you could provide for your family. Many times a fishing family, uh, they had boats, they had nets, they had the industry. And so you grew up in that and you learned to do the trade that your father did. Right? It was a family thing, a family affair. And this is what we see, specifically with James and John. We see it with Peter and his brother Andrew. Right, The, the, the families are out fishing. And Jesus is walking along and he says, come, follow me. Come and follow me. The rabbi, the teacher. Now, he would not have been a complete stranger to them at this point. Right? They, would have, they would have known that Jesus was, was a teacher, a rabbi, a man of, you know, of faith at this point. But they certainly wouldn't have expected him to walk up to them you know, and shout out to, to them on the, on the Sea of Galilee and say, hey, come follow me. But this is exactly what he's doing. These people aren't, they're not training to be you know, Pharisees. They're not training to be rabbis. These guys, this is not in the deck of cards for them. And yet this is exactly what Jesus is offering to them. He's saying, hey, come and follow me. This is a trajectory and a course completely contrary to what they were planning, what they were investing in, what they had been training for, what their mom and dad had been expecting, all the things. None of this made sense. Come, follow me. And what do Peter and Andrew do? They leave their nets and they follow him to become fishers of men, to participate in God's mission. We'll get to that in a couple weeks. But they leave everything. What did James and John do? Well, without delay, he called them and they left their dad in the boat with the hired men they began to follow him. And we see this pattern throughout the New Testament 
of what it looks like to follow Jesus, it's a call to leave everything behind. If you want to follow Jesus, then that means the word everything is going to be in this equation. There's no half-baked pursuit of him. There's no kind of one foot in and one foot out. It's a call. Jesus, Jesus offers a call to leave everything behind and follow him. And you might be thinking to yourself, well, okay, whew, that's a big time. What does that actually mean? What does it mean to leave everything behind and follow him? Well, that's a good question. And sometimes we can dismiss these moments also because, you know, again, we, we want to put the, the foot on the gas. Let's just keep driving. Peter and Andrew and James and John, like they, they were, they, they ended up becoming apostles, you know, and, you know, they're the 12 disciples and they're planting, like they're, they're the full-time professionals. That doesn't really apply to me. That's not, that's not my world. That's not how I'm living. Okay. That's a good, that's a good assessment and maybe a place to park the car, so to speak. Let's not keep driving for a minute. Let's examine what Jesus has to say because uh, that's not the only encounter that we have. We have scores of encounters with people who are not the 12 disciples, people who don't go on to become apostles, you know, in, in the New Testament and in, in the early days of church planting. Mark, or Luke chapter 9, verse 59. You've got a guy that, that is enamored with Jesus' teaching and, and there, he's probably seen miracles and he says uh, to, Jesus says to another man, follow me. This is verse 59. Luke chapter 9, verse 59. Follow me. And the man replies, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Let me go and bury my dad. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. On the surface, that sounds mean. Like, I mean, if you've ever lost a loved one, especially a parent, someone close to you, you know the importance of, of having a, a funeral moment, of grieving, of, of, of letting God just bring peace and comfort to your heart. And so it would be easy to think that Jesus is just being just kind of savage in this moment, right? But what you're not catching just from the surface reading, is that this man, his father actually hasn't passed yet. His father's alive. And what this man wants to do is he wants to go home and he wants to wait for his father to simply naturally pass away when the time is right. And when his father passes, he will receive the inheritance that is due him as the son. So, Again, you wouldn't necessarily know it. You've got to understand this through a Jewish lens. What this man wants, therefore, is to wait until things become financially secure in his life before he leaves everything behind to follow Jesus. And Jesus is letting him know it doesn't work that way. You don't put it off. It's not like you wait for the conditions to get right before you really follow me. What this man wants, and I get this, I relate to this. This man wants to be able to follow Jesus, but he wants to follow Jesus on his own terms. He wants to follow Jesus when, when you know, all the conditions are right. 
you know what, I'll have some money and so I can follow you then and you know what, I won't have to worry about, you know, what I'm going to eat because I got money for it. I'm not going to have to worry about, you know, a place to sleep like you guys are. I mean, I'm, I'll have this covered. I might even be able to pay for all of us, you know, at the Ramada Inn, you know, or wherever and, 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 and have a place for us, you know, to, to be able to, to sleep. All these things will be covered and ultimately I can build a life where I use my faith on all these other places, but thankfully I don't have to use my faith to trust God as my provider. Now maybe that's not you, but chances are there is a, there is a term, you know, a, a transactional agreement that you have possibly made in your heart and soul with how you want to follow Jesus and how you do not want to follow Jesus. But understand that Jesus is the one who creates the terms. He's the one who defines what it means to follow him. And time and time again, what we see is Jesus making a call for people to leave everything behind to follow him. Another way to say that, another way for us to say it is that following Jesus is a call to Trust God with everything. You're called to trust Him. To live your life with an open hand rather than clenched, gripping, trying to control it and trying to build your own little kingdom and then inserting Jesus into it. Jesus was, and just to be clear, Jesus was radical. And when we talk about following Him His call to follow is a radical decision. It isn't small. It's not passive. It's not a casual little decision that you make. It's big time because it costs you everything. It's an everything pursuit. Historically speaking, you know, Jesus was seen, as this word that I just used, as radical. Oftentimes we think of Jesus as this guy who loved people so well and he was a great teacher, and he performed miracles, and he fed people that were hungry by performing miracles, and he healed their bodies, and he died on the cross. But all in all, Jesus, he, man, the lover of my soul, and he is that. There is no, there is no Jesus without understanding that he came on a mission of love for you and me. He loves you with an everlasting love. But understand that historically speaking, especially at the time, Jesus would have been seen in this moment as unbelievably radical. More than a moral thought teacher and a good, you know, just a a good old guy. Um, He stood in direct opposition to the Roman Empire. He stood in direct opposition to the religious structures of the day. He was putting together a band of renegade disciples. This guy is a threat, right? And you can see why there was a mission to have him eliminated, taken out, assassinated, so to speak, because he was a threat. He's amassing the favor of the crowds. He's amassing the favor of the mob who wants food and healings. And I mean, massive throngs of people are coming out to hear Jesus speak. And how does he drive those crowds away? By telling them what it means to really follow him. And people would come, they'd love him, they'd love his preaching. And then they'd say, "Uh uh-uh, 
I don't think so. I don't really want to do that. That's going to cause me to have to pump the brakes, pull the car over, like re-examine my life and possibly reorient everything. You know what I'd rather just do? I'd rather just keep on driving. But you know what happens? You don't end up at the train station where you're trying to pick up your friend. You end up in Croatia, right? Just like our friend, what was her name? Sabine Moreau, right? You can read the story. You can Google it if you want. Don't ignore the picture that we see from Jesus, the stories, the encounters, and the direct, explicit calls of what it means to follow Him. Jesus calls us to be holy. It's part of following Him, that your life is holy and set apart. Calls you to be radically generous. That's part of following God. You cannot sit here and say that you're following God if your life doesn't have, if you're not holy, meaning that you're not living in any way that's different than everybody else. If there's no generosity that's marked right, these are some of the most defining qualities of people who follow Christ Jesus. You're called to be a servant that others would become more important than you, that you'd lay your life down for the sake of others, to love your enemies. What? How do I live this way? So glad you asked. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus literally living inside of you. We're called to hate sin. And sometimes I don't. I'll be honest with you. When we talk about following God, it's not this simple binary moment. There are times where you're you're following closely and you're following great. And there are other times where you're stumbling a bit along the way. I've got great news for you. Jesus is here to help you follow him. He's called you to be on mission with him, to imitate his character. To follow Jesus is to give up everything that stands in the way of obedience. Same word that we continue to see, everything. When I follow Jesus, it costs everything. Everything that stands in the way of actually obeying him. I was trying to think of a of kind of a picture for us that would help kind of our cultural moment right now. And obviously this doesn't exist, but if there was a build a bear Jesus, this would be the perfect example of how we relate in the West to to Jesus. We have this kind of fuzzy Build-A-Bear, right? And you kind of mix and match and, and you make this, you make this, this stuffed animal, right? You customize it how you want it to look and how you want it to feel. And, 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 you know, you're having a a bad dream and you hug that thing tight and it helps you. And it, you know, it makes you feel good on the inside and your, your little build a Jesus, your build a bear Jesus that you, that you've pulled from ideas here and ideas there. And I'll grab from this rather than really being grounded on the word of God and what Jesus says, the signs and communication and literally the outright calls of what it means to follow him. We build our own 
own construct of what we want Jesus to be like. Our Build-A-Bear Jesus, our fuzzy Jesus that makes us feel good, you know, we, we, we build this construct of, of, of Christianity and it allows us a measure of plausible deniability in that, oh, I just didn't really know. I didn't think that pertained to me. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just cruising this way. What? I mean, you're saying this applies to me? Yeah, it does. This is for you. This is for your family. This is what it means to follow Jesus. You can't dodge this. You can't shake this. And some of these truths are hard. But the great news is, is that Jesus doesn't offer them to you angrily or begrudgingly or like Zeus throwing down lightning bolts. No. He tells you and me what it means to follow him. And then he actually gives us the power of the Holy Spirit and the strength of God inside of us to actually do it. To follow him this way. And he changes you and he transforms you. Following Jesus isn't theoretical sacrifice and it is not hypothetical abandonment. Jesus is asking us to leave behind everything that stands in the way of obeying him. Everything that stands in the way of trusting him. So let's let's get real specific because sometimes this is helpful. Specifics are helpful. You've put your faith in Jesus Right, you've had this moment. Maybe you got baptized. You're at your church, and and God's beginning to change you. And you're going home to spend time with family, and they don't live the same way that you do. Let's talk alcohol for a second, because because families view and how they share in alcohol and beverages and things like this. This is a big deal for a lot of folks. And so now, all of a sudden, you're feeling like this thing called conviction in inside of you on how much you drink. I'm not suggesting that having something to drink is wrong. That's not what I'm saying at all. But there's a difference between having something to drink and getting together with your family and just getting blasted, right? I had this conversation literally with a family member not too, too long ago who was just blown away that, 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 that if we took the keys and put them in a drawer and we created a safe environment, Andy, why wouldn't you get ripped with all of us? And the reality is, it has nothing to do with my view of you or my love for you. It has everything to do with the fact that I've made a decision to follow God. And He comes first now in everything, including my family. God comes before the desires and wishes of my family. Doing what's right and doing what's right means that in this moment, I don't get to get ripped. Plastered, drunk, that's, no, that's not me. That's not who I am. I am someone who follows God. And you know what that does? It causes confusion. Before, oftentimes, it draws people into a, 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 their own relationship with Jesus. More than anything, oftentimes, with people that love you, it causes confusion. It causes frustration. Oh, you think you're better than us? What? Who do you think you are? Oh, oh. Andy coming back from Atlanta, being all goody-goody, Mr. Righteous. Oh, this happens. And you have to just live with it. 
And that's tough at times. You have your career and you pour your job into every aspect of it to the detriment of your kids or to the detriment of your marriage, right? You just, you pour all your life, but you put your faith in Jesus. And now there must become a priority shift in your heart and in your life regarding money and regarding career and how much time and energy you you put into it. If it's standing in the way of you actually having relationship with God or fulfilling your role as mom or dad or husband or wife, well, then there's a problem. Your reputation. Oh, you're too serious about faith. Gosh, he just, it's not fun anymore. Which, by the way, isn't true. But when I was in a fraternity and got serious about living for Jesus, this was a real thing. My reputation was toast. Because Andy didn't go out and do this, 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 or this. I just didn't. Wasn't interested in it anymore. Wanted to follow God. Friendships, how you talk, things you joke about, the language that you use, how you invent, how sports, your kids in sports even. Oh, now you're talking about a cultural idol right now. Don't you dare talk about children being involved in sports and maybe there being too much pressure or, you know, 47 practices a week um, and you don't have time for anything else? Yeah. What does it mean to follow God with everything? might mean putting something down and leaving it behind. I can't answer what that is for you. You have to pay attention to what God is saying the road signs, the dreams that you have. When you give up everything to follow Jesus, I got news for you, you're going to be misunderstood. It's going to happen. But God gives you the strength to follow Him. Jesus says it like this in Matthew 16 as as we close this morning. He says to His disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple, which disciple means follower, they must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Well, who, who picked up a cross? Jesus did. And now he's turning and saying, you got to pick up your cross too. I mean, it's, this, is a, this is a double-handed effort, okay? There, there's no way to carry the weight of a cross and carry all these other things. You just got to have to put them down and leave them behind. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Why does this message matter? Because all of us want life. All of us want to experience life. That's why we build our lives the way that we do. The pursuits that we have and give, we want to experience the best, the fullness of God. And I have news for you. The way to actually do it is to obey Jesus, do what he says, leave everything behind and run to him. And what is it that you will find as you leave all this other stuff behind? You'll find real life that only Jesus can give. It's supernatural. 
It's beyond your ability to comprehend. I can testify and I can witness to you about it and I can tell you what I've experienced, but at the end of the day, at some point, You've got to listen to the road signs, so to speak. You've got to pay attention, right, to the directions. And you've got to follow Jesus for you. You've got to make the decision. So what do you want to do? Are you ignoring the call of Jesus in your own life, maybe in a specific area? Maybe you've never made a decision to follow him. Well, today's your day whether you're watching from the couch, from your phone, from your laptop, I believe today is your day. Here's what I want to invite you to do. I want you to pray with me in this moment as we begin a journey together. Say, Father, I thank you, uh, Father in heaven, for sending your son Jesus. And today, I believe that he is who he says that he is. And I am making a decision to follow him with everything I've got, everything that does not honor you, everything that stands in the way of me trusting you and obeying you. Today, I choose to leave it behind. Thank you for giving me the strength to do it. I choose you, Jesus. I choose you. It's in your name that I pray. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, that's just the beginning. Or maybe you were just having a moment, right, where you know this doesn't really line up or this doesn't add up and I need to make some adjustments. All right, praise God. That's amazing. Here's the next step for you, right? None of these people are following Jesus on their own. None of them are following Jesus alone by themselves. That isn't happening. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to message us. I want you to take a step of faith and you can drop a comment right now in the comment section, or uh, you'll see a, the screen pop up with ways for you to engage with our church community, and we will help you take your next steps to actually grow and follow Jesus. We are here for you, we love you, and we're excited to be on this journey together. See you right here next week.